Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the creator of the family-friendly fantasy comic, Baby Barbarian in the Player's Throne, currently on Kickstarter, William Gosline. Welcome, William. Hi, how are you, Keila? Thanks for contacting me. Oh, I'm great, and thank you for responding. So uh, outside of my introduction, who is William Gosline, and what are you about? Um, well, I, uh, I'm a, I got a family. Um, I, I've done a lot of different things. I've been in education. I ran a business in Hawaii, um, and, but I've always written. I mean, I think that's a pretty common thing for people who end up doing this kind of project. You know, um, I, I've been writing since I was uh, very young. And um, I had a hiatus in my 20s um, when I was living in Hawaii. And then I got back into it, I don't know, seriously, maybe about 10, 10 or 12 years ago, I got an MFA in nonfiction writing from Pacific University. And then um, when, yeah, and that's, that's me in a nutshell. I live in Seattle, I'm from Seattle, Washington. And um, as I've grown, the city has turned from a sort of a regional center into a ginormous metropolis, but um, I'm a proud Seattleite. Okay, and um, what is the baby bar baby barbarian in the players thrown about? Um, it's well, it's the the story is you know is a is like I guess you could describe it as Gonzo fantasy is what I've heard it described as, which mm -hmm. is sort of you know like just everything in the kitchen sink, right? And a lot of allusions to um, other works that have come, and then all with a sort of a whimsical or a um, a funny. Uh, uh, a funny uh, turn on it, um, but the story is um, about a, a family, uh, a barbarian family, um, a mother, a, a father, and a son who live in, you know, sort of <clears throat> um, uh, uh, live in a, a mythical mountain realm, and um, they're pretty isolated um, people, an isolated community, um, and they, they just live out in the woods and do their thing, you know, hunt, hunt bears and the mama is always, is a, always a pickling food. Uh, they don't, eat, they don't eat cooked food. They consider that to be some kind of a savage custom to actually eat cooked food. <laughs> and, um, and then when they head into the, the, the regional center, they arrive and this, this fellow has just arrived before him and he's come from a distant land and he has all these magical trinkets. And he's um, and so he's sort of enticing the village uh, into all of his wares that he's offering, and um, and uh, and the most important sort of the, the the most amazing thing he has is what he calls a player's throne, and it's um, it's a, a throne that has this uh, the background story is that it comes from this this uh, this distant kingdom where the 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 king. Um, sort of poured a, put a moratorium on um, on on work because he just wanted to play, and then of course his kingdom fell apart. But somehow this um, somehow this man has got has acquired this throne and brings it around, and he says that if you sit on this throne, then you're going to be transported to a realm of endless fun and games, and uh, that's sort of where it goes. And then of course one of the family members. One of our impetuous barbarians sits on the throne, goes to this ruined castle, and then the rest of the family um, has to go and save him. And uh, hijinks ensue, as they say. 
is it like they have to well i don't want to spoil it but um is it like they have to play through it to get to get out of it like like uh with jumanji or something like that that's what kind of sounds like oh yeah yeah no that's it that's a really interesting question it's i would say it's more like the, the castle well you know you know, I, we were talking a little bit before and, you know, I'm an old school, I'm a grognard for um, like role-playing games. You're a mm -hmm. young generation Dungeons and Dragons player. I'm an old school. And and some of the, the, the castle is really sort of an homage to, you would be familiar with these kind of dungeons as well because they've really become, uh, um, uh, you know, a recurring sort of trope in, in, our, in, our, in, our, in this sphere, you know, in the role-playing mm -hmm. sphere. And it's, you know, it's just kind of, you know, it's not, there are some games, but it's, you know, there's, you know, uh, riddles and yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And it's, it's real, and it's a wild, you know, how some of those old dungeons are, they have just like stuff. You're like, what is this? Mm -hmm. you know, chandeliers plus flying monkeys plus, you know, and it's like, hello, you know, how, wh what is all this all about, you know? And that's really the, the influence for that. And the artist that I that um, I approached, I've been watching him for years, and um, his development and his style is so vibrant, and he has these incredible details and and funny details too, like just funny little things inside of his pictures. And I was like, this guy would be perfect for this story. So um, yeah, it's been it's been great so far. Okay. Um could you explain the creative process from a thought and idea in your head to to now executing it? Yeah, that's um, that's a ramble. Um, Go for it. <laughs> so as I said, you know, and in the Kickstarter, you know, in the Kickstarter page, you know, when COVID hit, I was my wife. We had just come back to Seattle after I was in Hawaii twenty two years. We. We just come back from Seattle, uh, excuse me, returned to Seattle. And my wife, like right before COVID hit, she got a very good job with a very steep learning curve. Mm -hmm. And then like COVID literally, and you know, it's an IT job. So she's actually able to still do it. In fact, they needed her during COVID, right? Mm -hmm. But very steep learning curve. And we had just moved back. So we kind of moved near to my, my best friend's mom, but it was like a small, apartment one bedroom for three people which was okay as a transitional place mm -hmm. when there wasn't COVID and then COVID hit and my wife had this you know and, and I was stuck inside with my son who was like eight years old at the time and my wife was going to um she ended up being like one of two people to go to a remote working site <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that she could learn and be out of the house because we were just bounced, you know. So once I was there, I was like, you know what? I was trying to do things that didn't involve screens with my son. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything was screens. So I was like, you know what? I, what would be great is if there was some book, you know, that I, that I could read with my son, you know, somebody like me could read with my son and enjoy with him. And that's sort of where the baby barbarian idea came up. And now he and I are both really high energy. I have, I have pretty bad ADHD and my son is wired like me. And I'm not going to say that he's got ADHD, but whatever, he's wired like me. So you can imagine we were in that room. And so 
one of the themes of this book is, you know, the barbarian trope, as you know, is this rage power that they have, mm-hmm. right? And it's, and it's with everything happening right now, the whole idea of turning on rage, especially with our political climate, it is such an interesting theme, a trope. And I think there's so much, you know, in like the Dungeons and Dragons world, it's just like, oh, you turn it on, you kill some monsters, you turn it off and you're exhausted, right? But like for me, when I was looking at, when I, I, the more I thought about the rage trope and how it, you know, what it does, especially to like men and especially to even I would say white people, you know, because my characters are all white and they come from sort of an enclave, I would say of, of white people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, yeah, uh, so I, sorry, I was diverting over here. I was, um, I was thinking about my son and I, and then, you know, that dynamic of the father and the son who are have impulse control issues and how do we help our young men and women, you know, out with things about impulsivity um, and aggression and competition. And um, so that's kind of the theme in it for me, you know, and that's, you know, you know, there's so many levels to a creative project, right? One is that you just want to put something fun into the world. But the other one is that you would like to have it, give it some kind of traction in our, uh, you know, in our, in our current society, you know, some kind of message, or a moral message, or, um, and that's what I am attempting to tackle with this, with these characters and with this story. Okay, that's interesting what you say about um, rage and, and impulse control and like how people deal with it and what it does to you physically and psychologically when it when it's all said and done afterwards. That's pretty interesting, especially in regards to the barbarian trope. Um, and I guess you, I mean, you already answered this question, but um, how important was creating this fantasy comic to be family friendly versus what already exists? So for me, what attracted me to this was um, children are um, usually are abandoned or witness graphic violence at a young age and they have to navigate through the world on their own. That's when, mm. that's what we normally see in graphic novels or comics that involve children, right? Whereas this, you show a family unit going through whatever it is they're going, going through some type of issues or as a family. So that, that's what attracted me to this. But how important was for you when you created this comic to make it family friendly? Well, I mean, that's a really good question. And it's interesting because I was, I was teaching and uh, I used, you know, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the monomyth or the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I love that hero's journey and I love the monomyth, but I really feel like it has really been, um, it's really been overplayed. And I feel like it's been perverted in a lot of ways from originally what I think Joseph Campbell recognized in every society. He just saw that there was a hero's journey in every society and Americans being how we tend to be, we kind of took it and we're like, oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a hero's journey. That means you're going to do it on your own. And I don't think that, that was originally, you know, you don't have collectivist cultures that will have those same elements of the hero's journey in them 
that are going to only put the individual up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So my point is that like, and, and like when I was in Hawaii, I was living with Hawaiian people and they have this thing called Ohana and you, a lot of these terms and they're very much a collectivist society. And, uh, and so I, I, I really want to move away from that as a model for our young people that somehow we need to step on people's shoulders to get higher or that our parents don't have wisdom to impart to us or our elders don't have wisdom to impart to us because I think that's a dangerous precedent for our society. Um, and then just, uh, you know, just from more, a, a, more a more contemporary and global perspective, I mean, we're facing a lot of issues as a race, a human race, mm -hmm. right? COVID should have been a wake-up call for everybody. Climate change should be a wake-up call for everybody. And I just, there is no way that one hero is gonna swoop in and solve those problems. So I'm trying, I'm doing my, it is absolutely, uh, you're right, it is a conscious decision to present this story as, you know, um, you know, to depart from those, those common tropes that you were just mentioning, you know, that's so true though. I hadn't thought about, I mean, of course I've thought about, you know, Luke Skywalker is an orphan, so many people are orphans or Peter Parker, they're all orphans, orphans. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right, but the way you just expressed it is like, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm trying to move away from, you know. Yeah, when I read them or when I hear about them, I'm just like, where are the parents? You mean someone? There's no competent parents or leadership here. Why do the children have to take upon this on themselves? It doesn't make any sense. Like I, I get it, you know, they have to go through growing pains. They're gonna have to figure it out on their own at some point, but. I mean, and yeah, parents make mistakes and a lot of them are just kind of like figuring it out as they go, but there's got to be somebody here that's willing to help these kids out. There's no way that the kids have to figure it out on their own. That's so that's reckless, you know? Totally. <laughs> um, so how was your journey in working alongside the other collaborators for Baby Barbarian? Like, so how did you, I guess you, you already mentioned how one artist you've been following his career for a while. So how was it working with the others and then like figuring out, trying to express to them what it is that you wanted and them executing it properly for you? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, um, I think that, you know, as somebody who's been in education for a long time, communication is really sort of what you do, right? Because you have to work with different kinds of students and mm -hmm. different kinds of brains and stuff like that. and. Um, but so I guess just to sort of break down the question a little bit, when I, when I, when I got, um, the talent or whatever, the artists, mm -hmm. most of them, to be honest, I found them either through word of mouth. That was like the letter was through word of mouth from another independent comic creator or, um, uh, on Facebook. I mean, yeah, you know, there's so many groups and and there's so many talented artists out there and they're throwing their work up in groups and you look through and you're just like wow there's so much amazing art out there but um juggling the process has been um yeah because it is you know I mean I stopped writing a long time ago and now basically what I'm doing is like project management you know what I mean mm -hmm, yeah and and it's not uh time is not my forte you know sometimes I you know like 
longitudinal thinking. I'm a lateral thinker, you know? Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think one thing about it, people with ADHD, we kind of have like a hunter <laughs> mentality. So like the, the people who are helping me out with, a, there's, a, there's gonna be a video game component to the release. Um, the people that are helping out with that were members of this, um, of a training, uh, uh, of a training program in Hawaii that my friend had helped set up and I called him and I was talking to him because I knew he was into, interested in video games. So I think it's just a lot of just sort of c collecting pieces and putting them together. And I don't know how to go much more than that. You know, I think at the end of the day, if you want to do a project like this, um, you know, you you just, you, you gotta not be afraid to approach people and mm -hmm. and just tell them, you know, what you yeah. need and what you're looking at. Um, what insight would you give to up and coming creators you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Well, I would say one thing, and this is, this is something that everybody always says, but it is really true. And that is, you know, you really have to, and they said this and, you know, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like you really have to believe in a project. And they always say like, don't write to market, for example. I mean, I know, you know, nowadays people do have to write to market, mm -hmm. right? And I will, I will write to market when I do what you're doing with your urban fantasy books, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. But um, the reason why I say that is because this process has been so hard and so like emotionally taxing because you know you you know you can you can be setting everything up getting these pages and then you know as somebody put a, a venn diagram on facebook facebook the other day and it was like um it was the uh the uh creative the creator and it was like crippling self-doubt and like over overarching megalomania and then like <laughs> the venn diagram is like that creator in the middle and I was like yeah that's so true <laughs> one day you think like oh man this is the bee, this is the bee's knees you know this is the best thing since sliced bread and then the next day you're just like oh you know it's, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with all this stuff um so again just my advice is that if you're going to do this you really have to love it you mm -hmm. have to, and not just the pro not the process of being a creator but the actual project like this is the first, this is one of the first times that I will sometimes be lying down and I will, I will know what my characters are going to do next. You know how, you know how that is, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that means that they planted themselves in my, in my subconscious, you know, and so that means that they are not only a part of me, but I have some kind of connection with them and I want to see them through. And um, if you don't have that, then you're probably not going to be able to get through the rough patches. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, with my characters and my writing, um, I always tell people that um, I don't really plan. Well, I know what I want for the scene or I want for the book as a whole, but like the characters kind of tell me what it is they're going to do. They, you know, I envisioned them in my head, but I didn't think they were going to look like that. I didn't know they were going to make a decision like that. It may be a stupid decision, but they make stupid decisions. What do you want me to do, right? And then with the podcast, I kind of still, even after like two years, I still kind of get embarrassed a little bit telling people that this is what I, what I do, but mm. I, I genuinely 
enjoy doing this. Like, I love talking to you all. And like a lot of the questions I ask are very similar, but mm. I get different answers. And I just mm. love that part. I yeah. love helping promote small creators, people who've never done this before, something that they, you know, they've always wanted to do, but, you know, they, they were too afraid to do, but then they finally did it. You know, if I can help them out just a little bit, it, whether it be they just started the Kickstarter or they're in their last stretch and they think they're not going to make it. And then they do in the middle of the night, right before, like, those are the best parts. And then when I do studies, I did um, one recently, but not recently, but maybe like a year ago, um, how um, video games help people with grief, right? Mm. And um, mental illness. Yeah, the mental illness, um, something I, I forgot, I did it so long ago, but um, how video games help people with mental illness who are dealing with mental illnesses or disorders, whatever it may be. And a mm. lot of people responded to that as well. So like you said, if you believe in something, you know, it'll help you get through the embarrassment, the rough patches, or just the uncertainty, mm-hmm. really. So, I, yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. Sir, when you said you did studies, was that sort of like informal? Or, or was that, because there is a group, there's, a, there's an organization here in, in Seattle, actually, that's in, I think they're based in Tacoma, which is using Dungeons and Dragons with like neurodivergent people. And mm-hmm. that's like a, like a, like they're using, they're like PhDs and stuff. So they're really looking at that in a real, a qualitative study I'm just wondering when you said a study what do you yeah I um I was just interested in how video games helped people with who were like mentally ill had mental disorders like someone like me I've um suffered on and off with depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and video games helped me to deal with that to calm down um to even have the desire to reach out to people yeah. You know, and then when I started reading more and more about it, um, it was helping people with insomnia and um even with ADHD, really. Like um it was like with not with Mario, but they were talking about how um Sonic the Hedgehog helped people who who had like ADD and ADHD. Really? That was That's funny. Yeah, they that game over Sonic. Mario. So yeah. Yeah, my son is he's crazy about Sonic. That's yeah, really I should I gotta look into that. That's so yeah, it was one I did back in 2019, I believe, or it may have been right at the end or beginning of 2020 when I did it. Yeah, but I have it in playlists, so you don't have to go looking for it. Just go to studies and it's right there. Okay. Um okay. and I also did, like I said, with grief, video games in the um, stages of grief. Um and then I just did one previously of Super Nintendo Entertainment System. So, I mean, I don't, I don't claim to be a professional or even know what I'm talking about, but I just wanted to give facts to people in relation to video games or whatever it may be. Yeah, anecdotal stuff. Yeah, totally. yeah. and just and then adding my two cents and my own experience yeah. with the things. Absolutely, that's wonderful. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, the last time I checked, Baby Baby Barbarian is like nearly halfway to its to your goal so like how does it how does it feel it feels good um you know because it's my first kickstarter i'm getting a lot of support from friends and family um uh and then they they have the in the kickstarter so i mean just for you know your audience right if they're thinking about doing the kickstarter 
you really have to do a lot of pre-build. So I have like a, um, I've been building a, a, a newsletter email list for about a year. That was the first thing I started doing, you know, because that's why I got turned on to it. Um, uh, and the other thing I've used is um, I, I'm a member of something called Comics Tribe, which is a, um, a, a man named uh, Tyler James has a, has a, has a program where he helps co- people like me in particular, which are comic book um, uh, creators who want to go the indie route. And that was really helpful, uh, really helpful for me because it's sort of a, it helps you with the planning aspect. And so, um, so, you know, I had to, I, I built a, you know, uh, sorry, that's just to say that if people want to do a Kickstarter, it's really imperative that they build prior to actually launching. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it feels really good to be almost halfway. We hit almost halfway seven days in. So that's really, I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, it's just like I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, I could keep sitting there and watching more videos and reading more articles about how to build audience and blah, blah, blah. Or I think I just need to launch <laughs> at some point. I mean, it's endless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The information is just endless. But um, I had a decent subscriber list, about 150 people. Um that that receive my my newsletters or emails and they've really that has really provided the bulk of the support you know and Mm -hmm. but it has kind of slowed and so now I gotta go back and do some uh, Facebook ads and hopefully talk to more podcasts and things like that yeah I've been told that it kind of plateaus after after a while and then, so yeah, maybe going back and promoting it or sharing it with other people may help. And then it like in the last week um, or like in the last day, like I mentioned, it'll end up, um, you'll end up hitting it like yeah. in the middle of the night. Yeah. So that's what, that's what typically happens, but you have like another 20 days. So I, I think. 23 days. Yeah. Yeah. So over 20, 23 days. So yeah, I, I think you, I think you'll hit it. I don't yeah. think it's too far. Your goal is too far gone that you wouldn't make it yeah I definitely think you'll make your goal yeah I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure but you know it's one of those things I mean a lot of people they go on Kickstarter and they see like you know $20,000 goal and people make half a million dollars so you're always thinking like mm. oh man it'd be great if I could make you know twice as much as what I'm actually what I actually need to finish the book right because you put so much time in and effort and it'd be nice mm. to have a little bit of extra padding but you know that might not you know uh, uh, I mean I'm essentially Although I have about with the video with the video game uh, teaser and with the the crew, it's about ten people or ten or twelve people are working on this. But um, you know, I'm the one who's keeping the whole the whole boat from falling apart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I asked that question because as artists, we expect criticism or a minimum to no attention to our work. Um, when you receive praise for any of your work, do you believe it when you initially hear it? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you will yourself into accepting that praise as real, that the work you do and that your talents are valid? That is a really, really good question. And um, I would say that it's, you know, I was not, you know, like so many creatives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one One of the reasons that we, begin this journey is because we need validation 
you know, we might not have gotten it in other places, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so, you know, a lot of, for, I mean, for a lot of artists and creators that I know, there's sort of that, there is that hunger for validation, you know, and so you're constantly putting things out and you want to do things and you try to throw them out into the world and you're hoping somebody will notice it, you know, and um, I think it's taken me a lot of work and it's taken me a lot of personal work and self-work and also, and this is the hard thing, it is when, when you actually receive it, you know, even there's, you know, there's just even just basic things you can do, for example, instead of being, oh, no, 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 oh, no, it's, it's nothing. No, it's something, right? Mm-hmm. It's something. It's a lot. It's yeah. hard work. It's your energy, your creative energy. It's your time. It's your caloric energy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think to be able to actually accept it is very hard for some people. And so just to get to that point where when somebody gives you a compliment to be able to accept it um is really important and just say well thank you for saying that Mm -hmm. and and those rough patches you know that I had because you know I had some in the year that happened with COVID you can imagine I have a family Mm -hmm. and we were stuck in a small place and then we were stuck in a bigger place and you know I had I had problems with my family with my wife you know what I mean and 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 so there were times when I had, when I was, you know, really the only one who believed in this project. And that's why I said, you have to really love it, right? Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to, in Hawaii, they say like puka through, it means like go through the hole if you don't really love it. And, um, uh, you know, yeah, it was, there were just some moments where, um, where, what I would do is I would sometimes I would look at what I had already and and I would laugh. I'd be like, no, this is funny. This is good. This is legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. I I'm not gonna worry about. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to those that thousand and one voice in my head. You know that that's trying to shove me back into the closet and back into the, you know, back into the the anonymity. I I cannot. You can't afford to listen to those voices. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that a good enough answer? <laughs> perfect. It's a perfect answer. Um, yeah, I've I've looked back at some of my own work too. Um, some of my writing, like something that I dumped a long time ago, and I just happened to open it, and I was reading it. And I was like, "This is good shit. This is yeah. this is good. You know, you know what you're doing." So it, it's weird because when I'm in the middle of writing and I have no idea what where this is going or how I came up with the idea, and then I finish it, and it's like my brain is working ahead of me already yeah and those just realizing those moments is it's like euphoric almost it's like oh okay okay somebody knows what they're doing okay you know it's funny because you know that that the the Norwegian writer Knosgaard he wrote like these ginormous uh he has six volumes called my struggle and it's about his life and I was reading some of his stuff I've, I've read like five of his books He's my generation, you know. Anyways, the reason why I bring him up is because he said he writes to get away from himself. Mm. And I don't know if you said you have that euphoria, but you know what I mean? There is that moment when you're kind of outside of yourself, right? Mm. And it's happening. And and I think that's often what we're trying to attain when we do any kind of art, you know? 
Yeah, is to get out of ourselves. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I'm, I, I just have no idea where it came from. It was like, was this me that wrote it? I mean, obviously it was, but yeah, it's just accepting it that, yeah, I, I do know what I'm doing, and I'm gonna keep doing it too until I just I, until I don't want to. Good for you. So, um, my last question for you, mm-hmm. William, is um. What is your idea of success? And I ask that because if you're not making money or have regular paychecks, like from a full-time job, you're not successful, right? So, I mean, that's what a lot of us are led to believe. So we put our dreams on a back burner or give up altogether. We're hesitant or doubtful of pursuing a career path like this because it's highly competitive and highly intimidating. So what is your idea of quote-unquote success? Well, I mean... I've done a lot of creative pro- I'm I'm an old guy already. Well, I'm a I'm a young old guy. Or an, or I'm an old young guy, however you want to look at it. I'm a Gen X, so I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm between. Uh-huh. Um, but the reason why I say that is because, you know, I I am I'm in my, you know, my mid 40s. So I I have done a lot since my 20s, you know. I played music. I you know, I've done so many things. And um I I'm a little bit I'm kind of at that point where, you know, I don't want to just do art just to do it. I did that already. You know, I want to do something that is going to pay me back. And that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? And when you're younger, I think it is, you know, it, it, that might, you maybe you have a little bit more space or more time to do a project without it being, you know, financially remunerative. But I think like for me, I did that already. So when I was thinking about this project in particular, you know, one of the reasons why I was, I'm trying to make different iterations of it is because I do have, you know, kind of a long-term goal, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. That it will be in different, that it will be commercially viable, you know what I mean? And we'll uh-huh. pay, at least pay for my time investing in it, you know, and all the, all the, all my personal resources that I put into getting the, the artists and stuff like that. But I mean, that is a, that's a hard question. You know, I think one of the things about success is that, you know, it kind of changes on the different phases of life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, like when you're like me, like middle age, you know, you're kind of in the grind, you know, I mm-hmm. have two kids and a wife and, you know, I need to figure out how to take care of them and that part part of this story I mean this dad in my in baby barbarian he's he's a good-hearted guy but he's got some serious issues and it's like spoiler alert guess who else is like that you know what I mean (laughs) so I I don't know I I I just I, I I think I think success really at the end of the day is not purely wrapped up in your in your art and you know like the letterer he's a younger guy um uh from uh from argentina really nice guy and he i asked him if he wanted to do an interview or do facebook live or something he's like you know i have some social anxiety and he said Mm -hmm. and i think and i he, he expressed in the email something about that he's so wrapped up in his in his art you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i said I said, you know, it's, we need to be able to, 
and, and I'm learning this as well, we need to be able to divorce ourselves from our art and have it not occupy our life entirely, but be a, a part of our life that is as important as family. Or if you have a job and there's nothing wrong with having a job and keeping your art as your hobby. Mm -hmm. you know, for some people, that's the perfect mix, especially when you get a little bit older and you realize, oh, like you said, so competitive, you know, and then you hear about the comic book industry with the, these guys, you know, the, what do they have, the non-disclosure clauses that they're giving their artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard about that stuff, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, this sounds like a nightmare, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, anyways, you know, this, anyways, you know, so many of these kind of industries, you know, they entice people to come in because they're so, you know, they're so interesting and, and uh, they're glamorous, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Does that answer that question? Yeah, I just, there's no right or wrong answer. I try to, I try to leave it open ended for everyone. So there's no right or wrong answer. So yeah, what you said is perfectly fine. Um, what is your, what is your, and you're younger than me. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be thirty in like two weeks. Okay, well, congratulations. Welcome to the thirties. Yeah, I'm actually. Good. Yeah, I'm actually uh, looking forward to it. To tell everyone, I'm, I'm thirty. Okay, I'm thirty. I'm just kind of looking forward to it. Thirties are good. But um, what do you, in, in your phase in your life, what do you think of as success? Um, just, I'm, I'm at that point where I just want to do what I want to do. Yeah. Right. Like I've been fortunate enough to save up a lot of money. So I don't have to work a full-time job. And I'm like very blessed that I don't have any type of um, ailments, physical ailments, mental ailments that are so uncontrollable that I need, you know, medication or whatever it may be. Um, I have a very large, very strong support system as well. That's wonderful. Um, so yeah, it's just, at this point, I'm just ch chasing my interests that, you know, and what makes me happy. Um, Cause I did everything right. Uh, graduated from high school, graduated from college. I got a full-time job. I worked there, was never late you know, never missed a day. And you now I just want to do what I want to do. So, yeah. and we'll just see how, how long it goes. This might go for another two years. It might, you know, might make me a lot of money, you know? So, never know. Yeah, Especially you never it sounds know. like you have so many um, pots boiling. And I think that's what we have to do nowadays, right? I mean, you mentioned, you were telling me the, how your, how your program, how your show is, you're telling that you write and, you know, yeah, I, I do that. I get bored. That's just, it's just boredom. I just have to fill in the days because I didn't want to wait two weeks to do another episode. So I got, I got bored. <laughs> you know, and um, boredom is a good impetus for things, isn't it? Yeah. And I just started skate. I started not skateboarding, uh, rollerblading again because the gym is boring and, um, just reading manga because the fiction books I read now are boring. It's just, I it's just boredom, honestly. That's just what it is for me. Um, but I'd rather be, I'd rather do what I want to do to fill in my boredom than do the nine to five thing like I've been doing for like a decade mm -hmm. and then come home and only have two hours to figure out what I want to do. So, mm -hmm. and like, I mean, like you said, it's good to make this just a hobby, something that you do on the side and keep your job. I tell people to keep their full-time jobs. Don't quit anytime soon unless you're making money or you have a large savings. Um, but yeah, um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss 
or that we didn't touch on or maybe talk about the rewards for potential backers for Baby Barbarian? Sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so the, you know, the, there's sort of two primary um, uh, books. One is just a, it's a regular comic and it mm -hmm. has, we have three different covers from three different artists, um, which you can see on the Kickstarter page. We also came up, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who has kids and I asked her and she's not really a comic person, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Like, would you rather have like a comic or something that you can have fun with? And so she said, well, so she said, you know, I'd rather have something that I could engage with. So the, 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 the other reward is a magazine size. It has like the comic in it, mm -hmm. but it also has um, six pages of empty bubbles and then six coloring pages. So then the kids can kind of go in and make their comic or they can color it, you know what I mean? And so they can, they can act, it's an activity book plus with a comic inside of it. Uh -huh. um, and then actually today, if um, uh, Igor, has, Igor I, I started putting all the rewards in like using my very extremely rudimentary um, graphic design skills. I mean, let's be honest, it's just not my bag, you know? And so I put them in and, and my artist Igor is like, oh, Bill, I'm going to redo all of that. I'm like, okay, that's fine because it looks great. But, um, but we have um, actually today or um, it I wanted to uh, do the offer where one of the, one of the, one of the artists, um, this nice uh, Italian guy named Fausto, he made a cover and there's room on the cover where you can, where he will draw a picture of, of the child of the, the backer's child mm -hmm. as sort of like done up like a barbarian. And then that would be like a special single volume only comic that has the kid on, on front of it. Um, that's which I'm pretty excited about that one. And that one will be released today or tomorrow, depending upon when Igor gets it up into the Facebook page. Um, yeah. And then other than that, um, like, as I mentioned, there is a um, very simple Metroidvania style video game um, that will be, um, it's actually, um, so in the story, once they're in the, they get spirited off in the throne, mm -hmm. they're separated in the castle, right? Okay. And so... So Brahm is by himself in like a classic dungeon cell. The boy, you know, feel bad for him, right? And he's in a classic dungeon cell and he's got to get out. And the video game is actually pretty cool. It's not pretty cool. It's really cool because that section, we made a little game out of that section. So it's his character inside of the screen and trying to figure out how to get out of the cell. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of, it sort of, um, it, 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 it goes right, it embeds right in the story. And then the end of that game is the next part of the, the comic. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can do more of that. I mean, ideally, I'm actually going to be talking to a publisher after I talk with you. And ideally, it would, it would be great to do some kind of uh, hybridized thing where, you know, you have the comic, but then every time you can go and do a sort of, a game and so that the game okay sorry the other thing is that everything that i'm trying to do with baby barbarian this is sort of you know my mission right mm -hmm. is it needs to be it needs to be attractive to parents and children and it needs to be accessible to parents and children 
So for example, the video game, it has like things where you can bash stuff and that's gonna appeal to the kid, but it has sort of a puzzle element as well. Like, as you mentioned earlier, right? There's mm -hmm. games involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that will be, that will be a reward for anyone who backs the campaign. And I'm going to announce that once I hit 50%, or maybe I'm announcing it on your show. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's about it. Okay. Well, thank you again to thank the you. creator of the family-friendly fantasy comic, Baby Barbarian, and the player's throne, William Goslin, not Goslin, it's Goslin. <laughs> I highly encourage our listeners to back this project if they can. Also to follow along on the project's various social media channels listed alongside the Kickstarter link in this episode's details. Again, I'm KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdboy Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.